Welcome, eagles and eaglets, to another edition of Road Noise. This is Will. This is Jay. We hope you're having a great drive home or a wonderful morning if you just got in the car. Today, our topic of discussion is whatever Jay has in front of him. Today, Will, we're going to talk about social media. Okay, I'm excited about it. I bet you are. I am. You're yeah. always excited when I, I talk have, about I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Well, I have a love-hate relationship with technology. I'm aware. And I feel like most of the time that you and I talk, you're leaning into a love of technology, and I'm leaning into a hate of technology. <laughs> so hopefully together... I have an appreciation of technology. We find a middle ground. Yes. When we get together. Yes, that would be... That would be ideal. Well, I wanted to talk about thinkers in the realm of social media, especially as it pertains to our kids. One of those is Jonathan Haidt. He is a social psychologist at NYU and has actually testified before Congress about this. He's telling us that there is an obvious correlation between social media use, especially Instagram, and the increased rate of suicide and self-harm in our 10 to 17-year-olds in the United States. And I think what traditionally we have said is the increase in depression and anxiety is because this generation is much more open about sharing their feelings and letting us know that they're having difficulty. And Height is saying it doesn't really go with the data. In that 12 to 17 demographic, since about 2010, there's been a 100% increase in major depressive episodes. And for the 10 to 14 demographic, it's even worse. It's 150% increase there. Since 2010. Since 2010. Do you know when Instagram started? I don't. Okay. But he's tying it to social media because a lot of that is starting just after iPhone, right? Mm -hmm. iPhone is 2007. You begin to put those things in your pocket. Obviously, Facebook is older than that, but not by much. Yeah. But it's Instagram today that's really captured the imagination, right, of young people. Mm -hmm. It's really photo sharing. So he's saying not only has that risen, but it's continuing to rise. It's not stopping. It's not slowing down. So thoughts on that? I mean, I could see why a little bit. I mean, Instagram, at least for me, is an opportunity for me to get a view into people's lives, but also to play the comparison game. I think our young people and our parents are aware of that, though. I mean, that feels like the cliche thing to say. I'm seeing the best. I'm seeing the highlight reel of all of my friends, and maybe that's what I'm putting out there too, but I'm aware also of all of my fears and failures and faux pas, everything that's in the background that I'm not posting to Instagram. I'm fascinated why Instagram would be worse than Facebook in its impact, maybe because it's visual? I think the young people aren't using Facebook. Okay, so So it's just self-selection into... And I did misspeak... Those numbers aren't boys' and girls' numbers. Those are just the girls' numbers. The boys' numbers are a little smaller, but the alarmism is really around young ladies. And I think it has everything to do with what you're saying. Sure. The comparison game, putting that out there, not feeling good about themselves, about what they look like, about their bodies, as all of this is changing. But we think about how those media work, and it's all about likes. It's almost... Like you're putting yourself out there to be graded by the rest of culture. I think that's where most of the problems come in. And that can be addictive too. You're hitting that, getting that shot of serotonin. Absolutely. Getting every time you get a like or, and if you're not, you're not getting that. I think too, 
what your friends are doing is constantly in front of you. So right. it's not just that I see a visual of my friend, I play that comparison game, but it's also I may get push notifications to my phone that tells me every time my friends do something. So when we were in high school, if you were sitting alone at home and you were just hanging out, you may feel good or bad about being alone. Maybe you're just enjoying a book, you're playing video games, whatever you're doing, but you're not necessarily thinking, man, I, I know right now Jay is out with five of our buddies skateboarding. I had no way of knowing that my activities didn't match or surpass your activities. Right. And I think right now you get, you get notifications that say, ding, 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 did you know your friend here is hanging out with your other friends and they didn't invite you. Well, I think that's the parents' big fear is if I don't put this into the hands of my young person, then socially they're going to be weird or awkward or they're going, sure. to be, they're going to be missing out on something. So that fear of missing out is real. Maybe part of the conversation is, well, what's the balancing act for us as parents and families? We want our kids to be plugged into the social pipeline of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But is the pipeline that we're plugging them into helpful? Is it harmful? These kids don't get to turn it off. I have a hunch that's that that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from. Because I don't have space in my life to get away from it, to just rest, to just sure. be. There's no quiet hours from Instagram. No. Is the solution you turn off Instagram. Your kids just aren't on it. They're not on social media at all. I don't know that that would hurt my feelings, and I, I doubt it would hurt yours, but I also know that's a primary medium through which our kids communicate. Sure. And so it's not just a false sense of a fear of missing out. I mean, it, I think it truly would be. And students today don't even text like they used to. There's these other kind of meta channels that they follow to communicate with each other. Right. Um, I think to preclude your son or daughter from it entirely, at least at a certain age, does have implications for their social engagement. I also think if there's not a light in Instagram... It's almost the digital version of, you know, Paul's adamant, you know, you go out and be with the people. Jesus says, be in the world, not of the world. So we don't have an excuse as Christians not to step into spaces, and I think that includes digital spaces. But well, I'm not- I'll be honest. I cringe when our youth ministries push it. We're going, hey, check out our Instagram. Mm-hmm. And kids are like, my parents don't let me have it. But I want it because I must be missing out on something. So I think we have to be so careful. kids leverage the church as a reason, yeah. get on. Well, yeah, all manner of things. Like we yeah. use it as a school in certain ways. Sure. I feel like most of the time we use it, we're using it for our parents. We want our parents to know what's going on throughout the school day with their kids. Any any communication channel is only as good as the people who use it. Right? Sure. So I can, I can go pick a radio channel and blast out it all the time, but if no one's on that channel, no one hears a word that I say. And our students today, they're not reading email. They don't check texts like we do. They don't always answer the phone. So I do think we use Instagram as a school even to communicate information to the students. If you're going to go to Third Thursday and get a donut, I'm not confident you're going to see the email. I'm a little more confident you'll see the Instagram. Parents are going to see the Facebook channel, but I think our students are going to see the Instagram channel. I had no idea we had a Facebook channel. You didn't know we had Facebook? No idea. (laughs) Yes, we do. We have Facebook. I haven't been on Facebook since about 2014. Students, please follow OCA on all of our channels. If you want to. If you want to. Jay, Jay thinks I shouldn't push these if things. If you're so. into that sort of thing. Yeah. 
when Haidt was testifying before Congress, he was saying that the social media companies want to say, hey, let's lump all this tech together. They just want to talk about screen time. Uh-huh. And Haidt is saying you can't. Yeah. Because these social media networks are the unique problem for our young people. And maybe that's where we need to challenge our parents. We could have other conversations about screen time or tech or time outside, and we will. But I struggle to find the balance with social media because we talk about saying we want our kids to be informed. But I think most of the time, that's not what our kids are using it for. So do we? how do we have that conversation with our kids? Can we have that conversation with our spouse? about maybe we wait uh-huh. until they hit this place or at least this marker or this age. But my fear is most of us don't think about it that way, and they're not having that that conversation. It's just everybody else has this. You say your friends have this. I don't want you to miss out on anything. Here you go. Right. So can we have the conversation? I think we have to. Yeah, I, I think we have to. And I think it's about more than just when you get it. It's having a toolkit for how to use it. And I can't pretend to even have that toolkit myself. But I think it has to include some things like scheduled downtime. What are your personal kind of blackout times for social media? I don't think anybody needs push notifications on their phone for social media. I'll be honest. Right. Like you don't, you don't need to know immediately when someone liked or did something on your post. If you put a post on Instagram, can you turn on notifications that every time somebody likes that, you get a notification? That seems overwhelming. I don't know if you'll always get a push notification, but it will show a little deal up at the top every time somebody new likes it. Oh, okay. And so you can go in, similar to Facebook, it'll show you kind of a running tally. They're running their algorithms really well to keep you plugged in, right? Right. So if you haven't checked in a while... It'll kind of manufacture a push notification maybe that you've never seen before. Sometimes that's actually a great reminder, I think, to social media users that maybe they're doing a good job. Because suddenly Facebook pushes to you and says, hey, did you know 27 people liked your post? Right. And you're like, oh, huh, you're, you're notifying me because I hadn't been checking right. every two seconds. I want you to look at this notification, Will. It's, do, you see, do you see what that says down there on my phone? It's a text message that I received from Facebook. Can you read that? Can you read that for the people? Jay, view Will Blanchard's new update. I did not know that it did that. How did it even do that? Okay, here's why it did that. I tell you that I haven't been on Facebook since 2014, 15. Uh-huh. It's not entirely true. When you hired me, you said, hey, I put out a Facebook Yeah, I said, friend me. Oh, friend me. That's what I said. I said, I, 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 feel, I feel sad. This is my new boss. I guess he wants to be my friend on Facebook. Yep. So I got on Facebook. To see the announcement that you made on Facebook about my hire. Oh, And yes. I guess maybe said, yes, I'm going to be friends with Will Blanchard. Yeah, because I couldn't tag you in the post unless we were friends. There you go. So that's maybe the only time I've checked Facebook in the last seven so years. So Facebook thinks I'm your best friend. So it only gives me notifications when you post something. <laughs> so you're the only one I know. You're welcome. Facebook's going, this so you, guy cares you get a whole a, lot you get about this guy's notifications. every time I post something on Facebook? I don't know if it's every time. September 15th, you had one. September 16th, you had one. <laughs> it's probably texting you every Wednesday, time. Wednesday, you had one. Oh, my Yesterday, word. you had oh, one. Oh, my goodness. See, I didn't even know that was happening. So now I feel like I'm annoying you, and I didn't even know it. Not a bit. I mean, I could turn that off. So what I was going to say is 
back to kind of having a toolkit for social media, but I think some of it has to do with curating your friend list. Sure. Because now Instagram and Facebook have gotten worse now with sponsored content that you didn't follow in the first place. So it's all in your feed, targeted ads, things like that. But some of it for me is where Facebook and Instagram became more overwhelming and maybe addictive is once you have so many friends and so many things that you're following that you really can swipe endlessly. Right. It continues to go. Yeah. I think there's a couple of ways to push against that. One, you curate your friend list and you say, these are the people and things I truly want to follow. And also think about your bandwidth and how much can I really digest. The other thing is just to set a time limit. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to say, I enjoy social media. So like anything, I'm going to give myself 10 minutes I'm going to take a breather. I'm just going to enjoy the stories and things that I see. But when the 10 minutes is up, it's up. Now, there's a lot of content you can engage in social media that maybe you don't want. But I do think that's a good early step of just giving yourself a time frame and not just going down this endless rabbit hole of stuff. Because that's what I hear from students sometimes is that students will be tired in class. And students, you know, particularly in high school, are not known for sleeping well anyway, right? But you'll ask them why. What were you doing last night? And... What I see sometimes is like a whole new guilt on faces of kids that I don't remember from high school because they weren't even doing something they found fun. It's, oh, well, I opened up, you pick your app at 1030, and I thought, I'll scroll for a little bit. And then I put it down at 215. Right. And I don't know exactly what I accomplished or what I learned, but I know I was trashed by the time it was done. Mm -hmm. That didn't make any sense. Right. Why would you do that to yourself? And Because it's addictive. Yeah, because you got in there and you couldn't get out. Part of the reason we have Jonathan Haidt in Congress Mm -hmm. um, testifying is because there's these whistleblowers at Facebook and at Twitter who have pulled the curtain back for us, and they said, we've known for a long time that this damages our young people. Mm -hmm. We've known for a long time that this algorithm is doing this to young brains, but it makes us a lot of money. And so we haven't talked about it. We're not doing anything about it. Here's maybe some of the things that we say we're doing about it, but we still want your kids addicted to this. You have people that are comparing Facebook to like big tobacco. Yeah. It's the nicotine to get everybody addicted. Can't draw a line to line equivalent to tobacco, but I mean, when you're talking about there's real physical danger to this. If you're addicted to social media, right, your risk level of that impact on your body is high. Right. Right. It may not be a physical cancer, right, like we see with tobacco, but it can end, in, sadly, in death. That's the scary reality. I think the difference for me is I, do, I don't see much in terms of redeeming qualities with tobacco. I do think as a platform, social media can, can be redemptive. It can be good. I don't think it's a space that Christians should just be absent from. But we have to have these safeguards in place that we don't just get sucked in and lost well, I think you're talking about adults, though, right? Or at least kids who are older. Yeah, well, and I, but I think young people can be learning. But so I don't as, know that our 10-year-olds have to redeem Instagram for the kingdom of God. No, that's true. But I think as parents, so question would be, when do you start working with your kid on redeeming anything? I don't think my kids need to be the answer to homelessness and hunger in Oklahoma. Right. But I still probably want them to go to a food bank yeah. and experience it. 
again, not a one-to-one equivalent, but if I never talk to my kids about social media and how to use it for good things when they're young, I just know I've lost their attention by that early teenage experience, right? Right. Hopefully they're still paying attention, but if the first person to talk to them about how to use Facebook, social media, everything like that is their friends, and the first time they engage with it, it is just kind of like, okay, finally you're 16, here you go. Right. Right? It It's like anything. If I haven't had a conversation, if I haven't given them a time at training wheels and things like that. So I do think it makes sense perhaps to show them your account and how you use it and maybe ask them how they see you. Kids are a great barometer of your engagement and addiction with things, particularly if they can't have it. If you can't have Instagram and I'm on it all the time as dad, you're going to notice. And that's all you're going to want to do. Yeah. These little creatures that are living in our houses, they're just modeling everything that we do. And as much as they say they don't want to be like us, they want to be just like us. So that's part of the conversation as well. If we're talking about how we introduce this, what it looks like, how much time our young people are spending on it, we also have to ask, how much time am I spending on it, especially in front of them? Mm-hmm. And is it making them want to have it more? I'll tell you that I have an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. I also help with a local campus ministry, and I created an Instagram account for that campus ministry. Right. And it's a fabulous way to interact with my students. But I see them as more developed and adults. I'm sure they've got their own hangups and their own problems, but I'm using it purely as a way to engage with my students with the stuff of the kingdom. With my personal Instagram account, I get OCA students trying to friend me all the time, and those are piling up because I'm in this weird quandary of do I say yes? So parents out there, if your kids are like, J-Mac doesn't like me, he's not accepting my friend request, I don't know how I feel about it. It's not that I don't want the kids to see my Instagram. I'm fine with that. Sure. Right? I think there would be good things for them to see and redeeming things for them to see. But I also don't want to like push social media. We talk a lot in OCA leadership on all fronts about why we do things. Always beginning with a larger purpose in mind. And if there's not a purpose behind something that's redeeming and and based in this this higher order laws of loving God and loving others, Matthew 22, right? We don't do it. And I think that's a question we have to ask on social media and how we use it. Because as you're talking, I'm thinking about, okay, sometimes I get lost in just scrolling through social media. And then there's other times, for example, you're saying these requests build up. Do I say yes? Do I say no? There's an inclination in my mind to go, well, you just say yes, but you don't have to check their feeds. You just, you blast stuff out and they see it. Well, if that's your posture, now you're becoming a narcissist, right? right? right but, yeah. uh, this is just a place for me to shoot stuff out to my audience, and they're going to like it because my life is great. I'm funny. I'm attractive. Love me. But I don't have to love you. Right. For me, just being very vulnerable and honest, that's probably more my risk with social media. And if I'm using it that way, then the question becomes, why is that useful at all? Yeah. Unless maybe the thing I put out there showed love to other people. Maybe. Um, But if the thing I did was just a celebration of self, then I have to question what the purpose was. Right. I think that's where we've gotten lost with Instagram and social media. There was a time, you'll remember this, it makes us sound ancient to the current student body, but remember when Twitter first came out? I think Facebook was taking root, but Twitter was the one that was really like the, this is what's happening right now kind of stuff. 
And I remember the first time I went to Starbucks and somebody said, oh, I, I saw that you did this at your house this morning. And it was this disorienting thing. I wasn't the one that posted it. It was saying it to the other person. I was like, how in the world do you know what they were doing in their house this morning? And they're like, oh, they posted it on this thing called Twitter. I was like, what? There's a thing where we just post what we're doing and people care? Like, why would anyone care? At first, that felt to me like what Twitter was. Maybe I was naive, but it felt like a more honest, hey, this is what I'm eating for dessert business. Right. So it was a way for you to get a window into friends' lives and see what they were doing. That honestly felt silly. But it, it was a way to kind of stay connected. It was silly yeah. at the beginning. But it was a way to stay connected, right? And it was fun, particularly for people who were a long way away. Right. And then there became rules and algorithms and all that kind of stuff. And now we know, well, this is the language you use on Twitter. And this is the kind of photo you post on Instagram. We all become little mini production studios, right? right? And we, we stop being just human beings. It's sobering to think about, but if we're only going to Instagram to create some fabricated version of self and blast that out to everyone, I don't think it's doing anybody any good. It's not doing you any good, and it's not doing your friends any good. Yeah, um, I don't... Do we do something else with it other than that? I think that's what we do with it. Well, and so now now you're talking me into a circle. So now I'm saying let's get rid of it if that's if that's all we're doing. I think that's what we're doing the majority of the time. Whether we admit it to ourselves or not, I want you to know that my family went to Disneyland. Sure. Why do you why do I want you to know that? Because you'll think better of me as a father. <laughs> right? Or took my family to the lake or whatever yeah. it was. If you want your, you want grandma and grandpa to know you went to the lake, send them an email that shows pictures of the lake. The reason that we put the stuff that we do on there is so that everyone will see the fabulous lives that we have or right. the fabulous new bathing suit that we bought. And maybe I'm a cynical human being, but I think that's most of what happens on social media. No, I, I think you're right, and I don't, I don't know why that matters to us. I do. Did you did you take the vacation to Disneyland so that people would know? Did you know that kids get dressed up and go to prom? I'm doing air quotes. You folks can't see this. They just go and take the picture, and then they leave and they go do something else. They got all dressed up, not really to go have a good time at prom. They got all dressed up for the pictures. Right. And then that's what matters. This is really all about my personal brand as a 17-year-old and blasting out it out to you. So I hear you saying, though, then that the real risk is not in an Instagram or a Twitter or you pick your channel. It's not so much the channel. It's how we're using it, right? We're all becoming little mini marketers for ourselves, and it's about curating a brand. What does it mean to be Will Blanchard? What does it mean to be J-Mac? I'm going to tailor my experiences and the things that I put up there to further reinforce who I say I am. And then if everybody does that, then what, we've just got a historical record of a bunch of very perfect people. Yeah, I look amazing on my Instagram at all times. My I, life is fabulous. I don't on always my look amazing on my on my Facebook, but I also kind of enjoy posting candid stuff and talking about my own messed up. That's your brand stuff. Yeah, that's, well, that's your brand. That's my yeah. Hey, that's my brand. You're on brand. That's <laughs> I'm on brand right now. Yeah, no, I. You're I'll right. tell you that that is another hangup that I have. I think with who do I friend and who do I not? Because I know with college students. One of the reasons that it works for me is because I'm not around those kids all day. I get to see them on Wednesday night. I get to see them on Sunday morning. So Instagram allows me to like peer into their life and say, hey, I saw you did this. And it is an opportunity for me to engage with them in conversation. If I began to do that with my OCA students, I think it would 
be harmful in some ways because students who don't have it or their parents have decided, I don't think this is the best for my student. I don't get to have those conversations with them. I didn't yep. get to see what they did on the weekend. Yep. So I would always be tempted to be the guy going, hey, saw what you did here. Saw what you did there. Yeah. And then maybe leaving some of the kids like they're feeling left out of the conversation. And I don't want that fear of missing out. So you, you're intentionally not friending people so that you won't create a haves and have not. I feel like that's where my my heart and my mind are right now with that. We have an ability to get out there on YouTube, Facebook, whatever, and say whatever we want and have a large audience. As we're talking, I'm I'm starting to wonder if maybe part of the challenge for our young people and for us as adults is this need to be influencers, quote unquote, that it's not enough that my words and my actions and my character would change the lives and impact the lives of a handful of people. I must do that with hundreds of people. Mm, right? mm -hmm. We were kids before all this existed. When I was in high school, who was I influencing? Your friends. I, yeah, I can tell you like three people. Right. right. That I was truly having an influence. Now, there are people who knew me, liked me. Who are you having a real impact on? Yeah. Yeah. But if I go to my reunion here in a couple of years, right, and are they you say, do that? I don't know. We'll see. But a couple people are going to say, oh, yeah, your existence changed my existence. The right. people at my high school wouldn't know who I was. See? I showed up to that. And is that wrong? I don't think so. It's, it's not, who I was. It's not like we lived poor childhoods. No. And that's been the history of the world. Now, I do believe we have a bigger impact than we realize, right? Yeah. The whole it's a wonderful life idea, right? If you vanished there, yeah, there'd be echoes of things that would change. But again, for millennia, we haven't had the need, everybody, to impact thousands of people with your voice. That was always re reserved for a small few. Now, I think it's good that it's no longer reserved for a small few because we get to hear different ideas, right. right? There's less risk of propaganda or whatever you pick. Right. But now I think there's this need. I mean, how many of our kids tell us that they want to be an influencer of some kind? It's all the time we right. hear that kind of stuff. And I'm wondering as we're talking, why in the world do we need that? Well, before it used to be, I want to be a professional basketball player. Yeah. Or baseball player. Well, but that's the, same, that's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, same if thing. Those are the famous people in their lives. Because if Bo Jackson tells me to eat this sandwich, I eat that sandwich. You do, right? You do. Yeah. yeah. Andy Warhol famously said, in the future, everybody will be famous mm -hmm. for 15 minutes. To some extent, he saw this coming. He knew how famous he was in his time, and he didn't really have business being that famous. Mm -hmm. It was because of what the technology of art at the time allowed him to do. Right. We've not only landed where Warhol said we would, we've far surpassed any of that, or at least in our own minds. I'm not just famous for 15 mm -hmm. minutes. I'm famous right. all the time. Here's my channel. Here's me blasted out to the world. But as you point out, there's no humility in any of that. It's all arrogance. Well, and that's undoubtedly at the root of what we're talking about with the depression and the anxiety and those impacts. Because if one of my key desires, spoken or unspoken, is to be an influencer, and I don't feel like I am one, I'm failing in one of my core ambitions. And you can only fail in a core ambition for so long before that's really going to weigh on your psyche. And there's not enough room in the market for everyone to be an influencer. Maybe the conversation we need to be having with our kids is about self-worth. Oh, 
hundred percent, and a, and a sense of worthiness as God's son or daughter, made in God's image for a reason, regardless of your followers. <laughs> That's not the point. John the Baptist is out in the wilderness. Nobody's with him. He's got a prime spot in the Bible. There's a pivot point in history with his name on it, but not because he he was out there in front of everybody all the time. Well, you say that about John the Baptist. I say that all the time about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because what you have in the modern church today is what is your brand? How many followers do you have? By those metrics, Jesus wasn't a famous teacher. Yeah. When he left planet Earth, he had 120 followers. Now, if you've got that today in Edmond, Oklahoma, do you have a successful ministry? Do you, do you no. get to do you get to keep going? Jesus has a small church. He's got a small Oklahoma church when he leaves the earth. That's funny because the impact is global. Right. What the 12 or 11 do after that mm-hmm. is why you and I are sitting here across right. from one another talking. So maybe that's a conversation too is what does success look like for our young people? Because the world wants you to use this, that, or the other metric that it's saying. It usually has something to do with numbers. It usually has something to do with dollar signs. Right. And Well, it usually has something to do with more. Yes. When you say is 120 a successful ministry, actually something that was running through my head as well. If your ministry was 50 yesterday, yeah, that is a successful ministry. But in our culture, there is no ceiling. It's pretty rare that it's an okay answer to say, I've reached a stasis point. This is good. This is healthy. This is where we're going to stay. You've worked in church work, so have I. I've never met an eldership or a ministry, hardly ever, that said, oh, it's good. This is the most we can minister to. This is the biggest it can get where we can truly know each other. Let the church down the street grow for a little bit. No, we're in competition with the church down the street, right? So. Now we've got 2,000. What's the plan to get to 3,000? Right. What's and the building plan? Transitioning that back to social media, that's now kids can't help but learn from that framework, right? No doubt. That I've, I had 100 followers yesterday. If I don't have one on one today, at least, where's my momentum gone to? Mm-hmm. You know, if 20 people were liking my stuff yesterday and today it's five, what does that mean today? What do I have to change? Right? Yeah. What do I have to do? Yeah. What's the formula? Yeah. That may be one of the problems that we have in that 10 to 14 range is those young ladies are just sort of coming into their own on a lot of that stuff and beginning to think about, well, who am I and what's good about me or what's not good about me? And here's this place where I can sort of throw a picture of myself out into the universe and get some real data. But it's not real data. No, not, not at all. But they think it is. I'm trying to think, what do we tell our kids is the alternative? Real relationships with real people on a real plane of existence. (laughs) Right. Yes. Well, and actually maybe telling someone they look nice today. Yes. Right? Yes. You don't have to post a picture and then give it a thumbs up online. You can look somebody in the eye and say, oh, you look nice today. You got a nice haircut, Will. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. I can anticipate one of the questions is when do I give my kids this? Oh, yeah. The core here is the why. You have an honest conversation with your kids If they want social media, why? What is it that you think you're missing? What are you going to do with it? And maybe it's less about an age range at which a child gets it as it is an intentionality. If you, son, can give me the reason and it's thoughtful and it's kingdom-oriented 
and it's others oriented and it has safeguards for addiction and online safety. And then I go, okay, it's like, it's like a driver's test for social media. Okay. Right. Yeah. We'll let you have it because now you recognize this is something that requires responsibility and care. And I wouldn't just throw you the keys to my car until you understand that this is a good thing. But if you don't use it right, it can be incredibly dangerous. We also need to have a conversation with parents about how their kids are actually using it because they can tell you this is the way that I'm going to use this. And you can follow me, too. And the reality is most of our kids have another account. We don't know what that account is. And those are things that have gotten kids in trouble at school. Yeah, Those are things that cross over, not just, oh, I don't want mom and dad to know what this is, but... Kids have been really mean and really cruel with some of those alternate accounts. You and I have both sat in rooms with parents going, I had no idea my kid had this. Yeah. It's a it's a big conversation to have with our parents about when are your kids ready for that. And to your point, that's going to be different for every kid and it's going to be different for every family. Maybe it's a more open conversation about, as you said, maturity, the level that your kid is at, what they want to do with it. Yeah, I agree. You know, parents, if you listen to this and you want to send us a message, ask a specific question, we can answer those things, at least best we know. I do think we're in a unique position as administrators to see some things that parents may not see. You don't always know what your kids have and what they're doing. And I think there's a certain element of this that if you try to hold your kid too close and lock them in too tight, they may just find it and do it anyway. Sure. Right. I mean, you think about how many devices you have in your home that can get on social media. Mm-hmm. When you think about that multiplied across our school community, it's not going to be hard for your son or daughter to get a device somewhere that's Wi-Fi enabled. It's real easy to falsify your age or whatever to create an account. They don't have to name themselves their real name. So you're searching for them. You may not find them. They can completely block you from even finding them. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to block mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles. So that's all the more reason to have a conversation with your kids early. No doubt. Because then they don't just think you're being mean. You've locked me out of this experience that all my friends have. Just because you're antiquated, you don't like technology, you're just not with it, whatever it is. Um, for them to understand, I'm doing this because I love you and I, and I want you to be a productive voice. I think it's okay for parents to say, I'm afraid. I don't want you to, you know, you're quoting these stats about depression and even suicide. I don't want that. I want you to have a great self-image, a healthy self-image, not a narcissistic one, not an egotistical one, but one that says, you know what? I'm made in God's image. My parents do love me. Right? Every day I'm not perfect. Every day isn't perfect, but I'm well, and you and I would be the first to say we didn't have social media as teenagers and we were riddled with anxiety and depression. Oh, so, yeah. So it wasn't just because of the social media. It had a lot to do with. But I'd hate to think what mine would be if I had. No kidding. Be so, worse. Yeah. I think that's part of what the experts are saying is the difficulty of making that move from adolescence to adulthood is tricky enough as it is for right. all human beings throughout human history. Are we doing some things that are making it even more difficult for our young people? Is this why we see the stats really going up in scary ways? Mm -hmm. And that's why Congress is talking about it. That's why colleges are studying it. That's why this is something that just the tenor of culture is sort of tuned into this. Yep. 
All right, Will, I think we are done for today. I think you can play us out with some... Play it out. All right, here we go. We appreciate you all joining us today for Road Noise. Road Noise. If you're not home yet, enjoy the rest of your trip. Drive safe. Talk about what we talked about. Bring us questions. We know you have ideas on these topics, too. We don't want to be the only voices that you hear or your kids hear. We love you guys. We pray for you and think about you often.